0: Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and review horror on both iHorror.com and my blog, KeithRFoster.com.
1: And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wonders of Melisanda from The Accidental Aliens.
0: Yeah. So if I do the intro, that means you go first. So uh, so what happened this week, man? What'd you Hmm. do?
1: Well, the first thing that happened this week is I got my second COVID shot. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that <clears throat> that affected my ability to be as productive as I would like to be. Um, I got a little minor side effects, but if anything, it, it, honestly, the only thing I got was exhaustion. I was just tired. I got it Monday. You, you got it Monday. And, okay. Yeah, pretty early, about 1040 And so for the rest of the day, I I had insomnia that night. So Mm. when that happens, I'm kind of screwed up all day long anyway. And so I ended up sleeping quite a bit during the the day. And then yesterday I slept a lot. So I'm not sure if it was insomnia or it was just me being exhausted from, I mean, uh, from from the shot. So, yeah, not really
0: sure. Sure. I mean, there's the interesting thing is in my informal poll, of about, uh, I don't know, 15 people, including myself that I, that I know have got it, maybe about 20, the people that do get side effects all seem to get different ones. So I had a different one, right? I had a headache and I felt, uh, yucky for lack of a better way to put it. Not necessarily nauseous, but whatever the thing right before nauseous is, that's, that's what I was. Um, and sounds like you probably, it hit you a little hard and you got tired. My wife was fine. My in-laws were fine. My parents were fine. And I have other people, no other people who had like, you know, it, it's like there's this list of about 12 possible side effects and the people that get them seem to just pick two, <laughs> but it's a different two.
1: Yeah. It wasn't, honestly, it wasn't even bad. It it was just, I was tired. That was it. And yeah. Um, yeah. I'd rather have felt that than some of the stuff I like. My best friend, he said he was laid out all weekend. I was like, oh crap, I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. But um, yeah, and, and like I said, it's it's I slept two hours that night. So yeah. oh, um, yeah, sure. that could have played a heavy part in it. So uh, who knows? So besides that, um, that put me back. So I have a, uh, I'm trying to think of the first thing I want to talk about because they all kind of lead into each other in one way or another. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to do a commission on Friday. And I just had a lot of obligations over the weekend. It didn't end up happening. And I told the guy on Monday, I said, hey, I'm going to tackle it today. Sorry, the weekend got busy. no problem. So I get the vaccine. I have insomnia. uh, I sleep throughout the day and the next day. So I did not do the guy's project. (laughs) So (laughs) that's one of the ongoing things of the week is pushing that thing off. So uh, the, the first thing I was able to do was do some flats, for, for mm. my pages for Second Shift 10. Uh, and I finished, I was able to finish all of the flats that I was going to tackle for this particular book. And uh, those are all sent off to my colorist. He asked me my my uh, deadline date. I don't really have a firm one since I'm still drawing this. And uh, some other pages, about five or six of them. And whatever the remaining pages, those will be going to my normal flatter. So, And he, he's doing great. He has a great turnaround time I think he's about three to four days and he's got him got him back to me Mm. so uh, pretty quick so basically everything that I had available is already off to my colorist so hopefully fingers crossed he's already starting to work on him how about you what was the first thing on your list
0: this week Let, let me preface my first thing a little bit like you just did which is much like much like you had a little malaise, if you want to call it that, like a little incident that that kept you from being creative, <clears throat> I realized just today, actually, that it's been a readjustment period because the world is getting, quote, back to normal now, at least out here in California. As a result, more stuff is happening. My kid now goes to school two days a week. The way that the charter school works in a usual time is we can we can take her down to the train station every day. She can take the train to a spot near the school, and then we pay For the school to like bus her back and forth from the train station to the school because the the school isn't really close to the train station. Well, this year they discontinued all that. So my kid is going back to school, but it means I am driving her to and from school because I'm the only one who makes sense. My wife works from home and I I'm not going to say it's on the way to where I work. But I don't work incredibly far from there. You know what I mean? Like it's out of the way, but it also makes sense for me to just do all the lifting on that. So there's that. There is the fact that work, work is normalizing a little bit. There's the fact that my kids' athletic competitions are picking up a little bit. And there's, there's the fact that like my, my gym is sort of open again. It's a, it's like a CrossFit boot camp kind of place, I think is technically what it is. So I'm starting to do that more in person. Um, You know, I I have a fuller family in the house. Uh, So as a result, I've been trying to recalibrate how to get in all the creative stuff I want to get in. And so these last two weeks have been a bit um, tumultuous in terms of me figuring out what my new schedule is again. You know, like I had I had fallen into a pretty good rhythm there with with. The coronavirus stuff with everybody just staying home and no athletics and no this and no school—it's all virtual. And now I found my—I just realized that I've been adjusting as well. So I think I'm crawling out of it. Today, in particular, was a really interesting day in terms of me getting a little bit of re, uh, realizations on on two of my projects. And but uh, but in general, you know, through this whole time, I have been grinding away some logistic stuff for Kadoja Volume 3, for the Kickstarter. I've been working on the soundtrack. I have also been writing every single day for the novel. So there have been things that were just, you know, there's still stuff getting done. And and Kadoja was getting done because I ended up doing a lot of tweaks on that. But what I've ignored, um, just for time's sake, has been Three Protectors and Animals. And there was something about today where I was just like particularly, particularly, okay, let me take a step back. Let me take a step back. I'm reading a book right now, and that book has – there's something about this writer that gives me a ton of ideas to work with. Whenever I listen to their stuff, I just get ideas that I sort of want to run with and then, you know, put through my 12 levels of – process and turn into something. And just yesterday I was listening to it and I got this idea that may end up bumping my second novel idea. You know, like the first novel still being finished but I'm having ideas about the second already. I'd actually written about 50 pages of character work for the second in one of my breaks for the first while I was waiting for people to read it just now. The more I'm thinking about this this idea, the more I'm really interested in pursuing it.
1: Is uh, the second novel that you already started on, does that have to do with the first? Is it a continuation, or is it a completely different project?
0: It is completely different. It is not a continuation of the first book. The first book is very similar to Kadoja, in a way, in that it is, it is going to be intended to have a really nice ending. However... There's always more stories to tell. I mean, we all know this. Let's, let's just say Kadoja someday becomes popular and there's a demand for more Kadoja. It's quite possible that I will resume and write some more Kadoja, but who knows when that's going to be. Um, the one thing that I feel my future self is confident, my, my present self is confident in, is that if there is a second story or a second mega arc or a second arc, it's not going to take place anytime near the first one it might take place way before or way after mm. but it's sure as shit not going to play take place right after. I just don't see that happening. So um and I think this first novel is that way. The and so yes, the second novel is totally disconnected from the first novel. The more I'm thinking about it, my the issue I'm having without getting into specifics with the second novel is it's very convoluted. It's batshit, but I'm also creating a high de- degree of difficulty for myself. And it makes me wonder if I'd rather create a different kind of difficulty. This second idea, which I can tell you about offline because it's just so half-assed right now, maybe quarter-assed, um, is something that's tickling my fancy though. And I, and I want to kind of run with it in my, in my spare thinking time. So something about that unlocking made other stuff unlock and maybe it's just listening to these audiobooks and getting more ideas. But, uh, but it really made me realize that, that I want to push hard on getting three protectors and animals done. And, uh, and three protectors is pretty close. It turns out that, you know, I was just uh, texting Mike back and forth today and it turns out that I thought I had given him the new version of the damn PDF two months ago. And I didn't, I gave him the old PDF So, number one, I need to look through and make sure that I have my revised PDF ready of what I think is the most current version of Three Protectors. Second of all, I I have some ideas. Again, I have to look at that and just make sure I'm proofreading it and editing it right. Because I think it's close, and I have some other stuff I'm working on with Three Protectors that ties into the music that I'm really excited about, but I got to have the book to have the music that ties in. So, the music's been done for years. In fact, I'm reworking some of it for the potential soundtrack. so, three protectors is this close to being done. I just have to cross the finish line with it and keep in mind, this has been workshop back and forth with Mike and I for years. so we're at a very we're we're at a very close place to the end here, and that's my first thing. so there's a second thing that's going to tie into that. but well, let's get back to you, man. What was your second thing So, I
1: finalized the lettering for second shift issue eleven. Which was uh, the most recent book that I kickstarted, and uh, it was. I wanted to do it one because I had already gotten all the notes back from my editor and and Ed, so I knew that it was ready to roll. Like it, it was good. I can piece the tails to get the balloons and the tails. Like I could splice them together and have those ready to roll. Send them over to uh, uh, Tristan, who's doing who's throwing the PDF together. He's doing a lot of graphic design. Um, extra stuff for me, and so I uploaded all those to the Google Drive, I got those taken care of, and uh, as soon as I did that, I sent out my Kickstarter survey, and uh, that was something I was also holding off doing, because I wanted to have more ducks in a row, I kind of wanted to have everything almost finished before I sent that out, just in case, you know, it has been a couple of months since since the Kickstarter, and uh, for me, it feels weird because I'm so used to just as soon as it finishes, okay, here's the surveys, give me your information, let me throw your names in the back, and let me get this PDF sent over to my printer so they can start working right away. I can get it back within a month and then start mailing them out to you guys. So that's where a lot of the time comes in, like I'll estimate longer times than needed, just based off of, okay, how long will it take f- for me to get all the information back from the Kickstarters, uh, Kickstarter backers uh, how long will it take for my printer to actually print the books? Is he going to be busy? Is he open? You know uh, those those things. So uh, as soon as I finished the lettering, I sent the survey out, and uh, I got a nice chunk back. Like I think I'm only missing realistically. I need about five more people to finish the survey, because what I'm waiting for is uh, the twenty-two dollar tier and up. So if you if you back to the $22 tier, which is your name in the back in the back of the book, plus an exclusive print along with the books, the Ashcans Ash Digitals. So uh, everyone has gotten to me except for five people. So I'm, I'm uh, doing pretty good just off of uh, a day and a half of sending that. And uh, yeah, so hopefully I'll have that in shortly. I'll get all those entered into the back and the PDF will be off to all of the backers.
0: So I'll, I'm going to go a little bit out of turn. I'm going to stick with my flow instead of adapting to yours. Because really the first thing was sort of a thing for me, right? It, it was this realization about a novel that's kind of out there in the future that I might have a different idea. And that I, you know, this is this is actually an interesting uh, writer thing, I think, is that sometimes your ideas, if you listen closely enough, speak to you in terms of like, you know, my second novel idea, I, I like this idea. I, I I do think it's really cool, but there's something about it that's sticking. And and I've said this in a lot of context in terms of writing. Cause so much of writing, I mean, we're we're almost going on twenty-five episodes right now, and and so much of writing to me is big picture. You know, it's it's once I figure out big picture stuff, and I mean I do favor plots that do a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Like people who have read Kadoja will know I'm doing my best to jam a lot in there and have it all make sense. The, when people have given Kadoja bad reviews, they've been high. No, I'm just kidding. Um, when, when people have given Kadoja bad reviews, they have, (laughs) they're clearly on drugs. Exactly. The, 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 the most common thing about the, the, the bad reviews has been, it's a little too convoluted and um and so in my case like that's that's a bad review i'm willing to deal with and i'm willing to accept because a it's a small percentage and b i would like you to withhold whether it's convoluted or not until we get to the end of the fourth arc because like we talked about before Claremont X-Men um i can't remember who the the guy was after but like i'm trying to weave a lot of dense stuff in there um burn uh, no, no. I, well, who was who was writing it around? Um, I remember it was when Bishop got introduced. That was whoever was writing oh, it when Bishop got introduced.
1: Jim Lee was writing it at that point because it, it was Claire. Uh, but it might have been a uh, Claremont still mm. because uh, Claremont was definitely on at the beginning of the Jim Lee X-Men run. So okay. but then then he fell off. I just don't know by what issue he fell off. Oh, so I think it was Claire, I think it was Byrne, John Byrne, and and then John Byrne and Claremont, and I think John Byrne just wanted to do it all on his own, so I don't know if he left, I think that's what happened, I think he left to do, and he did Fantastic Four, and then Claremont was on a crazy run, which lasted for years, and then uh, uh, Jim Lee took
0: over, and then they created Image x-men nerds are probably listening to us right now like you fucking morons here's who it is right but uh but anyway i i always i always felt that the bishop introduction was like peak holy shit you're introducing so many things and and rapid for every one thing you wrap up you introduce 12 you know like it was just pretty bonkers so i'm not gonna say that that's what i'm aiming for with Kadoja, but it is a bit of an influence there that there are some threads that are are there. So I'm going to give two references. One makes sense to people and one might make sense to like one person. There's there's a book called The Ninth House out there. It's a horror book. And I put it down halfway through. And the idea of the book is that Yale is full of nine secret societies that um, are occultists that like, you know, like, like divine from entrails and do black magic and do all this shit. And, um, and they're competing against each other and, you know, there's, there's a plot involved in that, et cetera, et cetera. So I did not like that novel for a few reasons. Mo- a lot of them are just on the page, but one of the things that, that I really stuck me also about the novel is, whoa, 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 why are we getting this crazy? like nine secret societies it's like it's like wow we we just kind That's a of lot. we went from from go like like monopoly go to fucking harry potter if not even worse and it's like to me you know something and 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 in thinking about that and in thinking about animals what i've what i've learned is what i really enjoy is dialing into those moments where shit starts, right? Because to me, the point where stuff starts is interesting. You know, the point where things start to get a little weird, um, or or when you you start you know start understanding what's going on. And I was just reading a book that's actually pretty good. Um, I was gonna take a photo of it and send it to you this morning if you don't have it. It's Proctor Valley Road, yet another um, boom book with crazy variant covers and shit. But it's written by Grant Morrison,
1: mm. and
0: it is a Oh, it's 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 like a a more horrific take on it feels sort of Scooby-Doo-ish, but I mean that in a good way. You know, there's a bunch of like likable younger characters. They're either high teens or low 20s kind of characters. Um, I think they're probably low 20s, but uh, and and it takes place in the Vietnam era. So there's some nice Vietnam subtext there. There's also um, I think you'll like the art. I mean, the art is a bit more kind of cartoony, but it sort of works. Um, I think it works for the story. And, and the thing is, it also just, just has some supernatural shit happen that's completely unexplained that they don't feel the need to explain. And for a second, that bummed me out because it's kind of like, okay, Keith is interested in the mechanics of that. But that's something that I think I've since realized. That is just how Keith thinks. But it did open up my brain a little bit on animals. And um, as written, which very which no one will ever see, it is in fact... Very, very, like, it's not very divorced from reality. You could read through Animals, this current draft I have, which I will never share with anyone, and believe that it could actually happen. Now, that's sort of what I like about it. You know, I like kind of finding the horror and the thing like that and things like that in the everyday. But something that I struggle with as a writer is... When when people are just getting you on page one with nine competing occult houses, how the fuck am I supposed to compete? <laughs> you know what I mean? With like, <laughs> with like this slow build to like one thing. And so while I don't expect to dump trash buckets of the supernatural into this book, I'm probably going to add a few teaspoons of it. And that feels like the right way to go because... When I get in, and again this is way behind the the curtain here. When I get inspired for stuff, I always get inspired from stuff that's real. And I I really like shit that's just fucking weird, really. You know? I mean, there's plenty of truly weird shit out there in the world that you could just write off and you'd feel pretty good about yourself. But that said, I also like taking a little bit of a left turn from reality. And and putting some some other kind of you know supernatural occult whatever it's going to be, um, shit in there. So it, in a way, a lot of this, the synthesis of this idea, these ideas, which I hope I'm, I'm making a decent point on, have led me to the point where I think I need to stir some of that into animals. And I got an idea this morning, actually, for what I'm going to do. And I'm also just going to stir that into a new draft and, uh, and see where that takes me. Again, I don't think it's going to be that different, but I think it's going to elevate the end of the story because, again, something about animals that had bothered me a little bit is. I wasn't sure the ending punched enough, for lack of a better way to put it. It just sort of—I mean, it had like a climactic action scene, and it had all those things, but it just felt like it wasn't—it wasn't hitting hard enough. And I think that the change that I am putting in place will, in fact, have it hit hard enough and give it a bit more weirdness to it, which I think will be a welcome addition to the story.
1: Yeah, I had—I did something similar with uh, *Wanders of Milosonda*. Um, I had a base story as to what it was going to be It was going to essentially be my avatar and my goddaughter's avatar on another planet uh, you know that humans colonized and it was going to be about a certain element. I'm going to still use it, so I'm not going to say what it is. I, I don't know what happened along the way, but I had this idea about evolved dinosaurs and I and I brought that up to a friend I said, hey, do you think it would be too weird if I put that into this story? And uh, they were like, no, that would be really cool if you did that. And I was like, you don't think that's mixing genres too much. Like, I'm kind of going for this, I don't know, like this uh, Avatar meets Akira bend. And then having that in there, it kind of it kind of changes the formula a bit. It's kind of like almost, I don't know, Dino Saucers or... Uh, you know, He Man in a sense. So it's yeah. just like I was like, is that too much things in the stew? And 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 you know, for a stew it's not. You could throw a whole shitload of stuff in a stew and it'll come out great. So yes. um everyone I talked to thought it was a great element and I've gotten tons of great feedback on Wanderers. So I yeah. realized, you know, even going going into the second issue, I knew it was the right choice. So yeah, sometimes sometimes inspirational hit you out of nowhere. And you kind of question, should I be doing this? And, you know, for me, I needed that confirmation like, this is the right move. You should go for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, that you, you bring up something that, that don't know if it has a place in storytelling. I sort of think it does actually, because it goes into my, whoa, 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 why are you dumping that much shit into the broth thing? But like, one of my favorite theories of wardrobe is any two colors match. You throw a third color in there, you better watch it. You know, um, and and so I think on that level too, one of my magic things is always to take three elements of a story together that have never necessarily been done before. Sometimes you can do two, and that's enough, but three is is definitely kind of like my my threshold, if that makes sense, for the amount of story elements I really want to combine. Um, so I think that, but I mean, you can you can take any two things, and I think they're going to work really well. Um, and maybe throw a third thing on there for seasoning, and I happen to think you're good to go. You know that that's where you get interesting shit um, when you start to add that third thing. If you add the fourth thing, just be careful, right? It it might it might be the best thing ever, and it might spoil the broth. You you're just you you know you can never be sure until you give it a go. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much my I guess big second thing. Everything else is small. What else do you have?
1: Um, I just got pretty much one thing left and uh, a note, and I'm sure you're going to touch on it. So I'll I'll get. I'll cross-pollinate that that when you get to that part of your your spiel. Um, So I ended up going back and looking at some pages that I was going to have my flatter do. Just because there's so much more on the page, it's like, okay, that's not worth my time. I'll pay someone to do that. A lot of the pages I tackled when I was flatting were super simple. It was just like, you know, big panels, lots of, or just characters, um, you know, simple forms. So... One of the pages I saw, there, there's something about looking at an image at a smaller scope, and you can kind of see errors you didn't see before. And that's something I learned from uh, Richard Friend on his YouTube page. Like, he talks about it a lot. He goes, yeah, you can really see, you know, the the frame, the form of a page, um, and you can see errors when you when you shrink the image. And, you know, if it reads well small, then you're probably good to go so there was something sticking out on one of these pages that i had finished that i needed to tweak and so uh in doing that i I finished that panel and i ended up adding some more characters like i was i remember when i was working on that page there's tons of background element tons of characters animals and so i was like god i'm okay i've spent like 18 hours on this page i need to move on and uh luckily seeing those that error that needed to be fixed gave me, gave me a little bit more energy to add a couple more characters into a panel. So, um, yeah, so that was like my last thing was tweaking another page and, and putting that on the pile. So, uh, still six left. So, um, but though a couple of them are halfway done, so I I feel like I'm moving on, moving along pretty nicely.
0: That's cool. That's cool. That actually reminds me of a, a music trick that a lot of people, um, a lot of producers and a lot of people who do mastering and or final mixing on albums say, which is when in doubt, turn it down. By turning your mix down and by turning everything down low, you get a much better sense of what, of what the proportion of instruments is versus when you start to crank it up. And uh, damn it if it doesn't work, you know what I mean? Like you turn you, and what the general rule is: keep on turning it down. And and if an instrument disappears before the others, that gives you an idea that it's too low, right? Or or the other, you know, or or you know, could be two things disappear and one thing stays, and the one thing is too high. So you get a really good impression when you dial mm, the mix way that down. Makes sense. A lot of people. A lot of people always think like more is better, louder is better, you know, and and of course this always happens in, you know, these fancy ass studios where... People have, you know, tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment and they want to show it off. Yeah, yeah, shit's going to sound really good there. And and maybe it'll sound good at high volumes, but how does it sound low? You know, so uh, I think that's really cool, man. I mean, I'm, I'm working on some art stuff, obviously, for animals. And I'll uh, I'll see if I can just throw that in there and make that a little technique for checking my own pages that I'm laying out right now with, of course, the help of Albert.
1: Another trick you can do is flip the image. And that's something I learned from Jim Lee. Like I would see him draw, and so he would grab the board and he would hold, flip it over, and hold it up to the light. And um, you know, when asked what he was doing, he's saying, "I can see all the errors that way." Like when you're looking at something. Uh, the way you you're drawing it, there's something about that it doesn't let you see the errors of your ways. So when you reverse, you mirror the mm. image, you can see everything. So uh, if you're working digitally, yeah, something else I suggest you do is uh, flip it and check it out.
0: Interesting, interesting. No, that's that's pretty cool. I don't know if I really have a third thing. I mean, I don't know if you thought I was going to touch on this, but you know, the the obvious third thing, at least to me, is that you sending your Kickstarter survey got me off my ass. And got me to send out my Kickstarter survey. Something I so so for those of you that that for, that actually pledged both of our Kickstarters, and I think there are a few. Yep. I think there are a few. Um, you're going to notice an alarming similarity, or you already have, between Scott and mine survey, and that's because Scott made no secret of sharing his survey stuff with me, and um, you know some of it I reworded. But one of them I just loved was the mailing list question, where it was like, yes, whatever. And then, you know, the no to the mailing <laughs> list is the government is watching. I just thought that was perfect. And if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. I loved that. <laughs> right on, man. So yeah, I, I kept my surveys. I mean, it was interesting because I, I, did, I did my first survey and I was like, oh, let me go ahead and send out this survey. And then I did that, and and all of a sudden, by hitting send on that first survey, what I realized is I was signing myself up to do all of them. Because you can't send out the first tier surveys and not send out the second, third, every single one, because you want to get them all sent out, you know, like... You've, you've you've done it, you're cut and pasting your questions, um, and you're you're ready to roll. So so why not do it? So I sent that out and then sent out the update to everybody just today, actually. And um, And so yeah, man, it'll be fun to see this stuff rolling back in. I mean, again, I have some time. Um, we're recording this in late April. It'll probably go up in early May. This book is not going to the printer until July, um, but you know, I, I, I'm encouraging people to give me their information because I'm going to be assembling the PDF soon, um, or at least I'll be assembling these pages of the PDF as I wait for the final things to come in. You know The art, the lettering, all that stuff for chapter four, aka issue four. Of Kadoja Volume Three, because again, the first three chapters are effectively done. We are just cranking through on the fourth and final chapter, and we will be uh, will be in great shape after that.
1: Did you happen to take a look at some of the surveys you got
0: back yet? One, just because I was curious if the person um, wanted to be on the emailing list, and they did, so that made me feel pretty good. <laughs> but, oh, okay. Um, but yep. yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I and and I and of course, I'm interested in seeing where people got where people heard about it. You know, that was, that was always, that's always an interesting thing to see.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was what I was going to touch on is, uh, I got a large majority back, like I had said, and six randomly found it on Kickstarter that I've seen so far. And, uh, one actually backed it because of the podcast. They listened to the podcast. No shit. So that was super
0: cool. Hey man, thank you. Yeah. I mean, my questions were basically yours. There's not a lot, you know, uh, If I find out where you heard about us, um, that's that's probably the most interesting question. Everything else is sort of, you know, what's your email, what's your handle, what's your address? Can I add you to the mailing list, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'd I'd love to, you know, I'd love to ask what you you know, what you think of the 76ers defensive rating with Ben Simmons on the floor, you know, or or I would love to ask you, you know, what's what's your favorite track off enter the Wu-Tang or something. But, you know, that that's not exactly survey material. You should have. It would have been funny. <laughs> you could have <laughs> had the uh, option of, of
1: putting it and uh, it being an yeah. optional question to answer. Yeah, and then they 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 could have gave it to you. That would have been cool. Um, and honestly, that whole uh, the the Kickstarter you know projects we like thing, I think that's going to make it more fascinating. Like when you see, oh, found it on Kickstarter. It's like, oh, it was either you know them promoting it, or sometimes people just. You know skim the comics on Kickstarter and that's what happened with a a few people on mine so I think that's very fascinating when I do feel like perusing Kickstarter I'll just go to the front page I'll hit comics I'll hit all and it'll give me every single project Mm -hmm. and um, you know I'll just look at it from top to bottom and see what's there if there's anything interesting looking if the art looks good I'll I'll pop in and see you know are the interiors the same? Okay, they are. How much are they asking? Fifteen dollars for a single issue? No, I'm cool. I'm gonna pass on that. So, yeah. um, you know, or it's or it's very reasonable, and I pick it up. You know, that's that's huge for me. Um, you know, as of late, especially since I've been spending so much on comic books, I've really backed down on my <sighs> free flowing nature. I should say on Kickstarter. Yeah. So I'll I'll see some art. I'll think it looks good. I'll end up backing it regardless of it being like seventeen bucks after shipping. And it's just like, what am I doing? I wouldn't do this at a convention, you know? It's like, yeah. yes, I love supporting creators, uh people making their own projects. This is, you know, uh very indie, you know, it's in it, and this is a very indie focused podcast, so obviously we love indie creators, but at the same time I can't have you gouge me. You know, it's like yeah. for my for my Kickstarters for a single issue, I'm I'm charging you um usually five to six dollars for the single issue plus the three dollar shipping. What that is is five dollars yeah. for the single issue, which is the cover price, one dollar for a digital copy, and then the shipping. So it's like everything is being accounted for. I'm not gouging anyone for extra money. Um if yeah. if it is a dollar or two more, I'm there's usually a sticker included in there. It's like you're you your, this is the set amount that I have, but trust me when you're getting something for every single dollar that you're giving me. Um, and then you have these other Kickstarters that are just like, you know, 15 to 20 bucks for a single issue. It's not even a limited cover. It's, there's nothing special about it. It's, it's the issue that they're going to sell at conventions when conventions get started again. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they're going to turn around and sell this at a convention for five bucks. But we're we're paying you know three times the rate. It's just it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Nope, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, what the market has told us over the last five years is that comics are four dollars. That's basically it. Can you can you charge five? You can. Can you charge six? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're throwing a bonus in there. Why not? I think if you get the right person, they're going to do it. You start to get above that, it's kind of like okay, well, wait a minute. You know, it's it's different. When you're trying to compete against people that are making high quality books and are doing it at maybe a half or a third of the price, depending on how high it is, you know, how high your price is. And you just dropped off. So fuck you. That's right. That's right. Someday you'll come back and you'll know that I'm just rattling on about how you like to eat and then it's good. It's good. I see your back.
1: Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. see oh there you are. Okay. Yeah.
0: I was like, what yeah. the hell is happening? I went on a monologue about how much you love to eat the second you dropped off. Oh.
1: They're yummy, yummy, yummy.
0: <laughs> don't don't worry. That I'm I'm at this point I'm almost just looking for excuses for me to use that cool effect that I like. <laughs> That's basically it. But um but did you have anything else, man? Is that pretty much it?
1: No, man. That, that's pretty much it as far as uh, creating comics goes for the week, I think. It wasn't even that bad of a week, uh, considering I had like four useless days. So finishing a page, doing a shitload of flats. I think I did seven pages of flats. Yeah, not not a bad week. I'm all I'm all right with it, you know, for as being as rough as it was.
0: This is part of being indie in a way, you know, like... We're not we're not showing up to work at nine every day to do these comics. We're showing up at work every day to do some other thing. And then we get home. And then if we have the energy to do the comics, great. But, you know, in your case, like sometimes you have downtime for a reason that you don't that you don't plan And in my case, like sometimes there's just something. I mean, I've always talked about this idea of the big thinking and writing and how sometimes you feel like you're just ramming your head against a wall over and over. And after a while, your head hurts. But God damn it, that wall falls every single time. You just got to be you just got to keep on as much as it hurts, slamming your head against it. And in this case, it was pretty interesting to get some revelations that like I didn't even I wasn't even that aware of until all of a sudden like you just feel off. And then you get this little like trigger in your brain. And before you know it, you're kind of back in your groove again. And, um, and that's pretty normal. You know, again, mm-hmm. a lot of writing is big thinking. A lot of it is execution. And sometimes you stick on the big thinking um, and, and you just try to push yourself through on the execution. So it happens, man. It happens for both of us. You know, it happens for everybody. You can find me at Keith underscore Decibel on Instagram. And if you want to follow Kadoja, then Kadoja, we have a Instagram there at Kadoja Kaiju, all one word. And you could
1: find me on Instagram and Twitter at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. And you can also find uh, us on Making Comics Podcast at gmail.com. I started going into something else and realized I didn't have a continuation of that sentence so i did that instead and it still works because that's information you guys need so if you have uh questions comments concerns send them that direction and we also have websites
0: yeah you're rhyming off the dome you're rhyming off the dome yeah so for me the website is keithrfoster.com that not only has some stuff on kadoja it also has blog posts and links to every article that i've had posted on ihorror.com
1: And you can find my books, Wanderers of Melisanda and The Second Shift, on AccidentalAliens.com, along with our other Accidental Alien titles. Uh, We have some anthologies. We have another book, Tales from the Mothership, which is actually another anthology title. Uh, I've done work in every single one of those anthologies. So if you want to pick those up, you can do that at AccidentalAliens.com.
0: You know the deal, man. I've queued up the music by now. So I will see you next week, brother. Yay! I don't want to make the thing perfect comics, right? Because if you make perfect comics, in my opinion, you set the bar too goddamn high, you know? And, like, if it's not Watchmen, Sandman, or Batman Dark Knight Returns, then it's hard for me to think it's perfect. Um, but if you think about, like, you know, what we ended up kind of doing there was talking about excellent modern comics that might be getting slept on a little bit. I mean, comics is a big, there's a lot of comics out there, man. And, um, and I think it's worth recognizing the ones that are at least excellent, you know, depending on, on what you're going for. And I think one that I, one that I almost mentioned last week, I was this close to mentioning it. And then I forgot because we just got caught up in some kind of conversation. It's Godzilla, the half century war by James Stoko. So, Mm-hmm. I, I realize, look, as someone who writes and publishes a giant monster comic, 70% of people that are listening to me right now are like, oh, fuck, giant monsters are stupid. There's something about giant monsters that people just sort of turn off. And um, and I would say that Godzilla Half-Century War is quite good. Um, it's probably better if you're deep into Godzilla knowledge but I think it serves as a really cool, like what it does is it picks a couple time, touch points in time that coincide with the Godzilla mythos and present a really interesting story there. So, um, and it's by James Stokoe, who I think I recommended to you off the air as the writer and artist of an, uh, a really good new comic called Orphan and the Five Beasts, which is Shaw Brothers meets Rickio in terms of just like a crazy modern Kung Fu comic. I mean, it is absolutely in my lane. You know, I am someone who my favorite comic of all time is Infinite Kung Fu by Kagan McLeod. This is very much in that kind of like batshit, crazy, modern Kung Fu thing. So Godzilla Half-Century War is excellent. I just wanted to add that. Um, and, and you know, I understand that giant monsters are are a bit of a niche, but um, but, you know, maybe it interests you and maybe you give it a try. Anyway, did you have anything you wanted to add?
1: Yeah, I read uh, on your rec. Well, I had already bought the book, but you recommended. Uh, was it the Silver Coin? I believe yeah, that's what it coin. was called. Mm-hmm. Silver Coin. Uh, that one was that Chip Zdarsky. Let me let me look yeah, at. It. I feel like I'm doing is. a disservice to to these creators. Yeah, it's, um, it's
0: Chip Zdarsky.
1: Chip Zdarsky, um, but it's the it's actually. I was listening to a podcast today. Um, If you guys want to listen to more comics, podcasts, follow iFanboy. Um, It's actually the artist's book. And so he's going to be drawing every single issue of this anthology series with different writers. So it's something, something. uh, it's like a bit of a different move there. Like you usually will see writers with a bunch of different artists. So this is the other way around. Uh, Michael Walsh. So Michael Walsh is the artist and he'll be drawing the rest of the books. And he's got a bunch of creators lined up. Um, top-notch creators so really good book it leans into that horror element that we've talked about that's going around Mm -hmm. a lot lately and it's kind of like a supernatural situation monkey's paw Uh, really good and then also geiger by jeff johns and gary frank gary frank is one of my favorite artists and um jeff johns this is his first venture out from D.C. in years. So uh, it's a pretty good book, actually. Like there was a lot of dialogue to start, but um, it just gets moving, you know, after a couple of pages, it gets moving. So
0: so actually that that reminds me of something, which is I'm going to mention a comic right now, and I'm also going to kind of I'm going to go toe to toe with you on something, um, which is at your recommendation, which I think you recommended on the air last week. I, I not only picked up Carmen number one and two, I went out of my way to pick up Carmen number one and two. Like I had to pick my wife and kid up from the airport last week and, and I was like, wait a minute. I have, like, just enough time to take a detour and go to my comic shop to make sure I fucking get Carmen number one and two. Because Scott said Carmen two is out. And I knew about Carmen one, but I didn't know Carmen two is out. So I went ahead and bought Carmen one and two. I just read though This is another random thing. So what I usually do as part of my wake up routine is I usually have a cup of coffee and I check emails. I remember reading an article a couple weeks ago. Maybe, no, sorry, a couple years ago about how... It's not a good idea to check emails to start your day. Really? Because if you check emails, albeit business, personal, whatever, what you're doing is you're letting other people set your agenda on how to get your day going. If you wake up and you think, what are the things on my agenda that I want to do? And do one of those things then that can really set your day in a much better direction. Opinion or not, I gave it a try. And and the thing that I'm doing, you know, like my brain is a little too dead for me to actually want to make stuff. But what I've started to do is I don't check emails in the morning when I get my coffee and I try to read two comics every morning as I'm waking up. And um, I have a ton of comics. So it's a pretty, you know, I can do this for a while and not really have to um, to worry a whole lot. But uh, but yeah, I did that. I, I uh, and, and I like it, by the way. So for people that are interested in maybe changing, changing your routine a little bit and doing a little something for you instead of doing something for others. Um, and, and, you know, I get it, man. I mean, I'm, personal emails are the things I'm checking first. So I get it. Um, but but in a way, too, it can kind of get you distracted because then you know that I'm thumbing through junk mail and then I'm thumbing through an ad. And then before you know it, I, I forgot why I even sat down while I was kind of going over my coffee. But uh, in reading a couple comics a day, it really does set the tone nicely. So I read Carmen 1 and 2. I thought they were excellent. But here's the part where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Okay, I don't think it. It's a good TV series. Interesting. I think um, this this gets into something else that... And this is this is going to be a bit of a nerd gripe on my part, I guess. I haven't read
1: number two, by the way.
0: Okay. Well, number two is fantastic. I mean, make no mistake. It is a fantastic comic. I am thrilled you made this recommendation. I knew nothing about this comic, and now I like this comic, and, and I have you to thank. So I appreciate that. Movies are the be-all, end-all. Movies and TV series are are almost like the highest form of culture. It, that's the, in terms of what society values. So if someone makes a movie of something, no one ever says, when are you going to make a book of that? No. When you write a book, people say, <laughs> right. oh my God, I can totally see this as a movie. When you write a good comic, people say, oh my God, this is going to make a great movie. Movies and TV have become kind of like the, the either, you know, the, the, the goddamn Mount Fuji ascendance of what people aspire to be. Or, or the, the downhill roll of, of like whatever is kind of like the best result of, of your book, however you want to look at it. But something that I happen to love is books that don't translate well. So one of the things that I've really taken joy in is books that do not translate well to being a good movie or a good TV series. And case in point, something I've talked about a whole lot in the first um, huge amount of episodes on this podcast is Sandman by Neil Gaiman. There is a reason that that is not a movie. It can't be. It's too fucking expensive. Somebody's probably going to try it at some point and maybe it'll work and maybe it'll even be amazing. But Sandman is going to be a tough one to pull off. Um, And for the same reason, you know, At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft, the novella is a very famous novella to us horror nerds it's very difficult to make a movie. It's gonna cost a lot of money. It's kind of a slow burn. Um, it, in a way, it might kind of talk about the kind of stuff that I myself was fretting over in terms of how I like to see my stuff, right? It's it's, it's realistic. I'm not sure there's that many like big things that happen. So therefore, it would make a pretty difficult movie. And to bring this full circle, I think with Carmen, While I think it's an excellent book, I think it's a hard book to translate into a TV show or to a movie. So, uh, and and I think it works excellent as a comic, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because sometimes things are just meant to be the media that they were or that they are, and they're well-suited to that media, and they maximize that media. And I think Carmen, in a lot of ways, maximizes comic as an art form and how best to use it it will be fascinating to me to see if it actually becomes a television property or a movie property as a result.
1: One, I'm glad you like the book. That That's number one. I was just like, oh, crap. Is he going to tell me he didn't like the book? I was like, I was so jazzed about it. That, really that would have sucked. Man. So I'm glad you like it. Yeah. And that's A-OK with me if you can't see the TV or, or movie in it. Um, I definitely can. I can see it as one of those. Well, it used to be. Like, oh, it's definitely one of those expensive HBO shows. And um, mm-hmm. now I could just see it on Netflix along with everything else. You know, just a hour-long <laughs> episodic situation. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I could see it. Um, I, can, I could see where it could be potentially difficult. But as time goes on, uh, things just get more and more cheap to make. So yeah. it's just like, you know, we were talking about during Godzilla. It's like, well a lot of a lot of the budgeting that happens it's like well CGI companies now they're like a dime a dozen you could find them anywhere mm-hmm. and so that makes them cheaper you know like my my TV in 2010 the 42 inch was 800 bucks now it's 300 bucks yeah so um you know i think eventually stuff that looks like out of the realm of possibility will it can happen yeah. you know we're seeing it more and more with these superhero movies and you know, along with anything else so uh, it'll be interesting. Time will tell. Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right. So why don't we why don't we stop recording and and just uh, and just bullshit a little bit?
1: Okay.